Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host, Reese Thomas, I'm Teresa Quinlan. We make up TNT. For those of you that don't know, it's our name, Thomas and Teresa. We're here to explode the status quo, because this series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently, so we can start doing differently. So I, I gasped. My mouth dropped open when you said trans, transcending the personality because immediately what I thought of was how many people in their own willingness to want to work with someone to help them break free, transform, evolve, at some point or another will say the words, but that's just who I am. Correct. And so this whole concept is, no, that's not just who you are. It's right. who you choose to be. Correct. There's a loaded, that's a loaded statement. It's disjunctive use, I'm just, is telling you that their codex of their, of their operating system is actually negating that they don't even believe that I'm just this. They're really, their soul and their ego are in conflict even in that statement. We like for people to be able to think differently so they can evolve and evolve in what, whatever way they want, right? So if there's a nugget that they get out of this that is for themselves only or a nugget for themselves and the people that are surrounding them or just for the people that are surrounding them because they're looking for greater harmony in a relationship or they're looking to help their kids through a little bit of a sticky point. The idea that we can contribute in any way possible is really the, mm, the source flame and we're really excited to be able to do that with you. Our guest today is Ha Sadegi. He is a transformational guide for business leaders and teams. He's really spent most of his life as an advocation doing energetic, mystic, and healing arts training with the world's foremost expert, using his innate gifts and talents to help friends, colleagues, and loved ones with life-changing breathless. He's been recently called to dedicate professional focus and share transformative energetic techniques that will rebirth your consciousness. Haas is also a relational alchemist, and we are really most interested in diving into the alchemy of what it is that he does. So let's start there. Can we start with what is consciousness engineering? How did you come to this? How do people get it? Yeah, I, I would say it's an integrative approach that I've stumbled upon was talking to Brian Cunningham yesterday for a one-on-one and and he said it best we stumble and trip our way through life and that's very much how I stumbled upon this how it came about is I call it downloading Nikola Tesla used to talk about how our brain is like a receptor or an antenna and we bring down data photons codecs as it were into information and it's really kind of come into my awareness in, into my, I guess, mind, for lack of a better description. And what I started to see my path being the last few years of merging both my technical skills, law, mediation, organizational dispute resolution, um, systems work. And then, you know, I had pre-med before that. So then once I went into the healing arts, the energetic sciences, what I started to see was, you know, neuroscience or what a lot of people say it this way, that science and spirituality are finally at a nexus. We're really converging on this notion of when you meditate, for instance, you enter into alpha state or theta state brain activity. So that's an altered consciousness. If we can actually discipline ourselves, and that's where I had the, both the 
in hindsight, it was a luxury. Now it's a luxury. During the two years sabbatical, it was grueling work, self-imposed isolation, actually almost dying, having a sibling kill himself, family tragedies, all of this kind of converging to a dark night of the soul that I experienced. It showed me that with discipline, you can actually hack the consciousness. So the mind and the heart work in tandem, and then you can get into the consciousness and then say, oh, I want to do this. I want to experience this. Um, and so that's really how it came about. It was very organic. And then once I figured out that this is what I'm stumbling into, there was a little bit more intentionality to be like, okay, I guess this is what's coming forth through me. This is what God is kind of bringing through me to share with people in a sense. Collectively, I guess all of us right now, uh, this has been recorded end of March, just as uh, coronavirus is taking over the world. The dark night of the soul, as you describe it, is something that everyone listening to this probably relate to by the time this comes out. You went through a very grueling, difficult journey to realize how to get through that dark night. How do people listening get an inkling of what you discovered at Great Duress and help give them a leg up to comprehend what's happening right now, rather than having to go through the pain that you did. Thank you. The pain is inevitable. Pain is attachment leaving the body, as I say. So really where, where I would start with, or start it, trauma. Trauma is misunderstood. Trauma is mislabeled. Trauma has been neglected, the awareness of us individually and collectively. So that's the first layer and how it relates to the nervous system. And what I mean by this, these two, for me, I was incredibly sensitive as a child. I grew up in a Persian household, great parents. So people think of trauma, they think, God forbid, of molestation, really bad wars. They don't think that 20% statistically, based on Dr. Arone's research, uh, highly sensitive people, that's the label she uses to categorize it. 20% of every species. So I was one of them. I have extra sensitivities, extra gifts, extra sensory abilities. So growing up in my family, I had traumas. I was bullied as a child and I didn't realize that was bullying. Growing up being a foreigner in an American society right after uh, the Iran hostage situation, I was bullied. I had family traumas, I had suppression. And so that started my illness, as it were, my dis-ease. Right now, as a society, we have to start looking at, okay, how many people's nervous system as a result of trauma are in fight, flight, or freeze mode? And frankly, I was numb. Uh, my first book that I'm developing is how I used to be a jerk and didn't know it. Most people are either unaware or they're simply so checked out. And this all is a corollary back to trauma because you don't have to be this 20%. Normal non-highly sensitive beings as well have experienced a lot. We're not built for this level of stress. We're not built for this level of oversensory stimulation. To put this more concisely, that was the base layer that I had to unwind. I didn't notice how numb I was. I didn't notice how much emotionally armored I was. I didn't notice how hypervigilant I was. I didn't know how egoic of a construct I had put that was really hubris or veiled arrogant that frankly wasn't serving me. It's like pushing a rock like Sisyphus in Greek mythology. You know, you're pushing the rock up the hill and that's what leads to burnout. And then now you then add the immune system. My immune system, I had necrosis. I had my body eating itself in my head. Your body is telling you something when you get ill, right? So I literally was 
killing myself because I was so out of alignment, so out of energetic beingness. So that's what we need to start is where are the traumas that each person is dealing with? How can we then soothe the nervous system? Because that relates to immune function. Your immune system and nervous system are like BFFs. They correlate. And that's the problem right now. More people are dying because they're in this really traumatized nervous system state. It started there for me. And it, and it was because I got so ill. I got to do something about this or else I won't be here. Some people call it like the rock bottom. I had a rock bottom moment or I had someone held up a mirror for me and asked me a really difficult question. And I took that question away and went, oh my God, there might be something to that. And then I started to do some whatever. For me, I went to the bookstore. What did you do first? So I had a luxury. My eldest sibling is that. So the middle brother is 12 years older. He passed a 13 year older one is a celebrity woo woo doctor. So I had a luxury because he's friends with like Tony Robbins and all these other like gurus, teachers. I really, I, I didn't have to turn that far. I had these resources around me. So one luxury I had is he came down and he gave me some advice and he said, you're sick. Uh, he didn't say it in such pleasant verbiage, God bless him. Um, and he said, you're a fish that's in water. You need to get out of water. And I've written about this a while back. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. I really turned to my sibling in a sense. And then he said, well, you're, when you're in an environment and you're in that water, you don't see yourself because they're habituated to their environment. They become one with their environment as far as their consciousness and awareness is concerned. So he said that. And then I turned really, I'd have to turn far because then I had, for instance, a friend, Larry Keslin, who I met very kismet around that time. And then he gave me Michael Singer's book, Untethered Soul. It was like, because it started to click. I had done Vipassana meditation many years before that. And I'd done other things. You know, how, how I came back from burnout was, I, the problem was I had done all this stuff. And because of the arrogance and because of the trauma, because of the armoring, the lack of, um, self-introspection it didn't work all these self-help courses didn't work so i really churned after my sibling and, and some other colleagues tribe that started to assemble on on this path you know what i call the divine hand you know providence as some people say then i turned inward i literally literally did the craziest thing i could do i so i booked a trip to europe i had a flight in and a flight out nothing else so no planning nothing else for me I was like, oh, this is gonna be easy. And I landed the day that the Brussels bombing happened, very height of xenophobia. I have a beard, I look brown, and I look Middle Eastern. So I get off the plane, I get in my hotel the next morning, this bombing happened and everybody is you know, armed guards everywhere. And I started to panic, not because of that, that added to it, because my, my ego was like, oh, where are we? What's happening? What are you doing to me? And I, I, I was saying to somebody recently, I know I'm growing when I'm sweating. That's my soul or my energy telling me you're pushing an edge. And so after my sibling reflected that, I went inwards. After Larry gave me Michael Singer's book, which I read on this trip, and it was like, oh my God. It, it, I started to do the next step, as I see it, is once you get past the trauma, you can unlock the most powerful tool, insight, which comes from the inside. Um, and so then stuff started to click and then I started to look, well, you know, and LinkedIn, ironically, it was like, it was speaking to me. It was very weird. I would log in from my trip, 
see an article that was that day was so pertinent, so synchronistic. So in a sense, let me paraphrase it this way. I went to the cosmic library or to the life library and the inner library. Mm -hmm. So you talked a lot about your personal experience with it. And I guess it's like a Buddhist idea that, you know, Kensho and Satori, the way that you find enlightenment is either through pain or through or inner work. For those of us, I know that we can say collectively we're, we're facing that trauma of uncertainty, but, you know, there'll be many of us who aren't actually touched by this scenario, but we'll still have to adapt and adjust to what the new paradigm will be. So how would someone achieve that without having to go through the really traumatic uh, experiences that many of us do, but equally many of us don't. And yet we still need to adapt, evolve, transform. Everything is a system. The universe, the cosmos is a system. All the way down, as is up, so is below. All the way down to our bio system. And so garbage in to a system, garbage out of a system. Input, output. There's a guy, Hal Stone, person ahead of the time. In the 70s, he came up with this concept, voice dialogue. And there's a video where he talks about us being God's squeegee. God likes to squeeze us out. So correlate that goes to the garbage that comes in, the universe wants to eventually get it out of us. So that's this, this concept. I hadn't heard the term. Uh, say it again. Santori? What was the word they used? Kensho and Satori, I think, if I'm saying Satori. it right. And so one way or another, whether it be through post-traumatic growth or self-induced, you have to look at the garbage, right? Going back to the trauma. It's the hardest choice. It's a choice, personal responsibility. The hardest choice is to look at the garbage. And I use garbage. I know it sounds judgmental. There's a stigma around that word. What I mean by that is shame, guilt, angst, the charges, the emotional charges, the emotional blockages or the mental blockages because you have either the mindscape or the hardscape. So consciously choosing to say, okay, before this happens, before the life's trauma, dis-ease, something happens, I'm going to choose proactively mm -hmm. personal responsibility to go in and develop my capacity, the capacity to sit with it. I've learned that. I didn't have that. I was very, because of the trauma, I was very, uh, I didn't have the actual capacity. And that's what scares most people. It has to be a choice. It's going to feel grueling at first. It's a perceptual thing. It, we perceive it because we have to get out of our comfort. So I would say to anybody watching this that's going through that is, look, you have at some point a fundamental free will option. And that is, do you choose to do this? Or do you want the universe to thrust it upon you? And when you take the steps, then the third thing that happens is disorientation, or what they call chapel perilous. Up becomes down, down becomes up. You get disoriented. And then what got us there won't get us beyond there. As far as consciousness engineering, we have to go within our consciousness. We have to choose to actually take the helm. How I did that, you have to, what I, what I coined is fall for yourself, F-A-L. You have to forgive, accept, and then love. You have to then make peace with the shame. Sit with the shame. Accept the shame. Love the shame. And by shining the light of awareness on it, you make peace with it. Or let me put it in another way. Energy's natural state is to flow. We lock these things in. They want to leave. 
The shame wants to leave and get out of you as much. It's like an unwelcome guest as much as you think it's an unwelcome guest. It views us as an unwelcome host. Like, why are you holding me hostage? Let me go. Once I started to see that, I was like, oh, it's a magic formula. And it's not an intellectualized thing. It's not forgiveness, except love. you got to feel it. you got to embody it in my perspective. This whole concept is really magnificent because it actually, I believe, fits for any emotional experience. So that necessity of making peace and allowing emotions to flow, feelings to flow, moods to flow, whatever word you want to give to it, because some people struggle with emotions, whatever energy. So if we think of it in this context of if you're feeling some sort of physical pain, in all likelihood, it's your body is holding on to something rather than just letting it flow. One of the things that you had mentioned kind of early on is pain is attachment leaving the body. Is it part of our intellectualization of wanting to keep it? Like, I want to keep it because it it belongs to me and and I get to attach to this. And that gives me sort of my identity. And so if I let it go, I don't know who I am. You're nodding at me, but for people who are just listening. (laughs) There's so much multidimensionality to to the brilliance of what you're offering into the space. So, you know, in tarot, the fool card is, is this, is this guy that's like, and then has a little puppy next to him. That puppy, as I've learned, is representative of the ego. The ego starts off as this very docile, protective, loyal friend. And over time, as the puppy grows, if you don't tame it, it, and I've never thought about it this way, so it's coming out live. I got to take notes as I'm speaking. I'm like, this is gold, baby. It, it becomes a very, it almost becomes like a pit bull, right? And it can attack you. The ego then turns on us because the ego is as scared as we are that it won't be loved and accepted. And it, it isn't separate from us, and it is. It's a subpersonality, as Hal Stone calls it. So there is this notion of this archetype of the ego then And then there's a really dangerous point we get into. We get into toxicity and addiction to drama and addiction to this poisonous nature. I guess this notion of why we do it. It's it's to forgive the ego that knows not what it's doing. It's then you have to kind of do surgery. You have to learn to what I call bilocalize. You have to learn to have intelligence looking at intelligence. Somatosensory sensations, which you brought up again, very brilliant. Louise Hay is like the godmother, God rest her soul, yes. of that movement. I had the luxury, again, very blessed, thank God. I sat with Daniel Levine, who I didn't know at the time, was the COO and helped Louise take Hay House Publishing to the next level. And he actually was the one that said, go read, heal your body. And then she talks about metaphysical causations. So you have the energy here, you have the mind and emotions here, and then you have the carbon-based biophysical here. It correlates. It can, you can go upstream or you can go downstream. If you try to go upstream, it's like the Sisyphus thing. You can go a mile down here and you won't even make a ding up here. Or you can move an inch up here and boom. So the problem is, yes, the sensations do cue us. The problem is the, the numbness, back to the trauma and the nervous system. And what we call interoception. You go within and then you can start to really get on numb. And it's a numbness, it's a desensitization to these very vital cues that we're getting. And Luis does a great job of, in that book, The Heal Your Body, having that appendix 
which ironically she downloaded, then got cancer, which again, it's, you know, talk about the cosmic irony. So she could be in alignment with her teachings. So then she had to use, she had to choose to use her own teachings on herself to heal herself. And so, yeah, it's again, it's, 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 it happens one way or another. If, if you're here to be that teacher, healer, heal thyself. Um, so you have to see the ego as a friend, the sensations are cues or signposts and how to actually do it is beyond the forgiveness is to start to then take awareness upon awareness, be the observer and the participant. Now, before Reese asks his question, I just want to do a public service announcement for all pit bull lovers out there. I love <laughs> there was no intention to use the pit bull as this dog that would be the only one to attack. We are all lovers of all animals here. The trauma, the going within, the consciousness, awareness, and then we talked about the engineering. So there's a big difference between awareness and then actually engineering so uh, i'm probably missing a few flaws here but what do we then once we're aware how do we start to engineer so thank you so, yeah and i appreciate you bringing it into a more cogent space awareness with a lowercase a awareness with an uppercase a objective awareness is close to as what we can get versus subjective awareness what many people again going back to Teresa's comment of people say i'm this way that's autonomic awareness. That's, that's this automatonness, this, this almost habituated awareness. That's not actual awareness. Actual awareness, and here we'll say the capital A, is so once you see the trauma, once you then unpack the trauma, then you get to this space where the energy starts to flow, what we call cohesion or flow state, because then the energy self-organizes. I've never really categorized it this way because it's, all integrated. It's not like level one, level two. It's I'm simply putting it this way, apparently, in an inspired way. So the fourth is to then start to discern, differentiate. What is my intuition? What is actual real me, true self, to use your lingo, Reese? And what is this habituated, conditioned ego construct, trauma reactivity, the lowercase awareness? Once you start to then get practice differentiating, which is where contemplative meditation is to start looking, it is kind of Buddhist or Zen, start to look at, okay, what's actually the real and what's not me. Then you start to, it's almost this takes more precedent, this takes more foothold, mm -hmm. and then this starts to dissipate. Energy will dissipate on its own, right? It's because nobody's actually gone into the observer seat, capital A, awareness. We think that the participant, as, as Michael um, Singer calls it in Untethered Soul, we think this is me. Oh my God, Haas, oh, I'm, I'm a lawyer and I'm a mediator and I'm a you know, civic leader. And then, and we're like, wait, was that because you were the youngest of three? You came from a high you know, performing family. You, you had the sibling complex and you had, you had to be a high achiever and you're go, 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 go. And because you numbed yourself, you, was that me? Or was the me waiting for me on the other side, this, is that the me? Which transcends even the name. And that gets a little bit, that's where the guidance is necessary. I would say up until that space, you can do it on your own. A little bit of guidance required at that space, um, unless you have the innate skill set, which is rare, to really then maneuver that space. 
the starting point is to start to discern what's me, actual capital M, with lowercase m, which is the habituation, the trauma, et cetera. And then once you start to do that, then the intuition, like uh, Tim Ferriss says, it's an F yes or a no, that's another way. Muscle testing, that's another way, right? It's, it's starting to then say these instinctive things, these real true awareness things that I've suppressed, once you start to lean into them more, they almost guide you on their own. If, if you do the work, if you allow it to. There it is. If you do the work, but first you have to allow the work. I think the honest part of anyone who's been through their own journey is to be able to share with other people. There will be moments when it feels really tough. You use the word grueling. I think that's a great word to use. When I spoken to family members and offered the question, why do you stop here? I've done my work to get over the mountain already. And yes, it's painful. Every time you come up to the peak, you're just like, oh my God, I can't take any more. And then you realize, oh, more is down the other side. Oh my God, there it went. It felt, oh, that felt so good. And so encouraging them to say, you are almost at the peak. And what ends up happening if you allow it to move through you, if you give yourself the permission to step another inch closer to it, you're on the other side. And that's where the magic begins to happen. Too many people, I think, are stuck in the space of it's going to hurt too much. And I'm like, you're actually at the peak of your pain right now. What you don't know and what other people need to share in their story, which I think will encourage more and more people to become this observer of self, is that you're already at the peak of your pain. Mm -hmm. You have to allow yourself to move through it. That's it. Very good, good draw and contrast there because... You know, I wrote this uh, a couple of days ago and it came through very, again, I was like, okay, this sounds good. Is this notion of we're really all waking up from, we feel like we're drowning. We've actually been drowning all along. We've been in pain all along. We've been numb. To, and so again, it goes back to this existential understanding of what is happiness? People have simply conditioned themselves to thinking, this is my level of happiness. Mm. When in fact, there's such more room, and to use your analogy, higher up on the mountain, they can go. You know, and I hate to sound cliche, looking for the silver linings as you're going up the mountain. To give courage, I would say, look for the gratitude. Know that if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because I was pretty far gone in a sense. I was, I, you know, I had a lot of people say to me, how are you still alive? You know, and I'm not saying random people. I'm talking my pra the practitioner, the clinicians that worked with me, it gets better. And then you'll realize it was better all along and it's gotten even better. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Okay, so like the premise of this show is to get people to not only think, think differently, but to start doing differently. So we've gone through something, we've had that experience, we've known the hardship, we've known the pain, and now we know the pleasure. How, how would you encourage people to step into that mindset of that coaching persona especially at this moment when it's not about self, it's about serving others. So how, we, how do we take that higher purpose? You, you found going through a very low process, you found your higher purpose. How would you encourage others as a hashtag takeaway to start stepping into that potential tomorrow rather than having to maybe take two years sabbatical, maybe have, go through all the, the problems or the, the pain? How would you encourage them to discern between small self, capital self, true self, whatever it might be? Yeshua ben Yosef, 
went to hell to come to heaven. We have to descend within ourselves to the proverbial belly of the inner beast to ascend to proverbial heaven on earth. Really how to do it, you have to go with it. Once you go within, there's this Alice in Wonderland. The universe is like a, a paradoxical hologram, and it's been proven scientifically now out of Britain. So by going down, we go up, and that's how you astutely pointed to how did you go deep to this low point and find your higher purpose? Well, because it's a hologram. It's, it's like looking glass, Alice. You went down, but I really went up. So if you think you go up, what's the opposite? You're going to go down. So you, everybody's trying to go up, 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 up. And then they're like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. Because as I call it, the foundation has to be there. So in a nutshell, go within, in. It's in sight. It's inspired, in. So I know people listening are going to ask this question. I, I know it. Like, how do you do that? And I don't mean to sound condescending, although yeah. I just heard it in my own voice. I'm like, that was a condescending to our audience. Yeah. Yeah. It is an insanely important question, I think, to answer. And so I, my parents, mostly my mother, gave me the greatest gift when I was a kid. Every time I said I was bored, she told me to go outside. What I did was I generally, because I lived in Northern Ontario, laid in the grass or I laid in the snow. Those are my two options based on the season. And going within when I was bored was the best place for me to start. Instead of filling that time with something, she gave me the opportunity to go and be with myself is exactly what she did. And so when people are asking us, like, how do you do that? That's what you do. As soon as you feel like you're searching for something to fill the void, that's when you have to stop yourself from the searching and just lay down on the floor. That's what I'm going to say. Lay down on the floor, lay down on the grass, lay down in the snow, wherever you need to lay down. If you fall asleep, fine. But what generally ends up happening is you just start being with you and everything starts to come to the surface. If you let it come, it will come to the surface and it can happen in five minutes. It could happen in 30 minutes. The more often you do it, the more comfortable you get with doing it. And soon you're on your way, like on your way in great strides sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the pragmatics. Thank you. So you, you mentioned what I would say is the first step. Stillness, go within, then you have to start feeling. So what that looks like is breath, feeling the breath. And then as you do that, and you go one step further, I guess, in this quote unquote processing of then feeling the body, coming back to the body, because this is the home, this is the vessel, this is the HQ. And because many have been out of the HQ or searching outside, they're not at the command wheel. Then from there, whether you call it meditation, contemplative prayer, is start to explore. Because my hunch is when you went within, you did what we would call visualizing or using your imagination. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's meditation to some people. So once you start to still go within, breathe, pay attention to breath, be in breath, feel come back to the body feel the body literally this is me i am safe this is me this is me touching the this is me and then inner exploration and what that looks like at a pragmatic level is visualizing imagination there's different verbiage or ways of characterizing is start to explore your inner landscape and then as you put it very keenly it'll take you from there 
Awesome. So before we do the quick rapid fire, just what came out when you said that it's not about filling the void. It's about feeling the void. And that's it. That's as simple as it is. That's it. I love that. Right. Can I use cool. that? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> okay. So we, uh, I'm going to ask you to go within one more time before we wrap this up. It's our rapid fire Q and a 10, 10 statements, two choices. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, manager or leader? Manager. Number two, active or reactive? Active. Number three, black and white or gray? Gray. Number four, optimist or realist? Realist and optimist. I can't answer that. Number five, Canada or England? England. Uh, number six, empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Number seven, introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Number eight, logical or emotional? Both. Innovation or process? Both. Number 10, heart or head? Again, both. both. Yeah, yeah, of course. You have yeah. to start to hold paradoxical polarities. That is the essence of beingness because we have to be all things, we have to be everything. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to dive deep into something that everyone needs to embrace right now and, and try and learn more about. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for answering everything so from the heart. Teresa, anything to add? I know I feel fuller than when we started. So thank you so much. My pleasure. It's a, it's a joy. Thank you both. Have a blessed day. You too. We love to hear all of your feedback here on TNT ESQ. So if you've enjoyed this show, you've learned something, you've been inspired, please share it with your friends. Please rate the show. Please write a review on whichever podcast uh, platform you enjoyed it on to help us spread the word, help more people think differently and more people start doing differently. Thank you.